following message from Pastor Kit Johnson comes to you from Life Point Baptist Church in Apple Valley, California, where we pray that God's Word is a real blessing to you. Ephesians chapter 1 this morning, and uh, we're going to, with the baptisms that we did this morning, and, uh, and as well just with the, the lateness of the hour, I didn't want to continue with Romans 11 today. I want to give a, a bigger chunk of time to the passage, the next passage uh, that we're going to be in, although it would have been, been really interesting to look at that last next passage in Romans 11 today about uh, God's end game for the nation of Israel, um, but uh, you'll have to come back next week and we'll pick up uh, with, with that discussion uh, very relevant with all that's gone on in the last eight days or so. Thank you so much. Uh, but today, yeah, looks good. But today, uh, I want to preach a sermon from Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14, that, that I'm going to call Your Part in God's Grand Story. And so I want to challenge the, the people that were baptized today, uh, every other young, younger believer, immature believer in this room, and every Christian to marvel at what God has done in your life through Christ. And to embrace what the Gospel means for your future. And if you're not a Christian, I hope that our text is going to draw you to Christ. That you will come to Him and rest in Him and, and that you'll give your life to something far bigger and something far more significant than anything else you can chase. So let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3-14. through 14. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. Every person has to feel like he has a purpose if he's going to thrive. So purpose gives meaning to your life and, and, it, and it keeps us going. It, it makes you feel valuable. So if you don't feel like you have any purpose to your life, it's not going to be long before you're miserable. Before you 
uh, feel hopeless, despair, and sometimes even suicidal. And of course, no one wants to end up like that, and, and so everyone searches for a worthy purpose for their life, or at least something that they feel is worthy. Not everyone's purpose for living is equal. And so, people search for purpose in their work, their family, a hobby, maybe a certain competition. You know, other people, they, they, want, they want to take up a cause that makes them feel worthy, and so those causes could be anything from saving the polar bears to, uh, to uh, pushing some particular politician to, to pushing a health regimen that they say will transform your life or to just having as much fun as you can possibly have. So I want to ask you to consider today, what is your purpose for life? Like, What are you living for? And is that purpose worthwhile? Are you living for something that has lasting significance beyond the moment? Is it something that's going to be worthwhile 10 years from now? 30 years from now? For all of life? Is the purpose of your life something that is going to matter for all of eternity? And so... Do you have a significant purpose for your life that is so significant that it can sustain your joy and give you meaning even when life gets hard? Even when it gets difficult? Even when the dark valleys that are surely ahead approach? And the passage that we just read describes the highest purpose that anyone can live for. It tells an amazing story that stretches from eternity past into eternity future. And, and if you are a Christian, you are part of this story. That God lavished abundant grace on a sinner like you so that you could participate in God's eternal plan to glorify Himself and to glorify His amazing grace. And there is no purpose that you can take for your life that is more significant than this one. There's no path that will truly satisfy your soul and give you the, the, the tools that you need to endure great suffering, like this path. And, and there's frankly no greater way that you can love other people and serve other people than, than to engage in this story. So today I want you to marvel at the wonderful privilege God has given you to participate in this grand story. And I want to inspire you to give all of your energy all of your life to the highest cause in all creation, which is the display of the glory, beauty, and holiness of God. And to get us there, I want to ask and answer three questions of this passage. We're not going to walk through every detail of this passage, otherwise we'd be here a very long time. So, so what I want to do is first of all ask, what has God done for you? What has God done for every Christian? So it's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 but begin the book of Ephesians by, 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 by really setting all of God's works that are coming later in this book in the context of this grand, amazing story. So why did God create the universe? Where is creation going? And how is it going to get there? And most importantly for us, 
What is my role? What is my purpose in this world? Well, Paul answers that, that not only has God given Christians a lead role, our role is to, to, is to enjoy God's greatest blessings as He pours them out on us. That's a pretty good gig, isn't it? You know, just imagine if tomorrow you got a phone call from Elon Musk or Jeffrey Bezos or some other billionaire, and, and they said, hey, I want you to come work for me. And you said, well, okay, what do you want me to do? And, and he says, I want you to live in my nicest house. I want you to eat my best food. I want you to drive my best car. And I want you to spend as much of my money as you possibly can. That'd be a pretty good, pretty good job, right? And God says that, that He has given Christians a similar gig, but on an eternally greater scale. So let's just take a moment and, and notice some of the incredible blessings that God has heaped on every genuine Christian. So first... God chose you in eternity past. In verse 4, he says, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. God's story is not an accident. He planned it in eternity past. And every detail of that story. And Christian, your role in God's story is no accident either. So consider the fact that as God was planning His amazing story in eternity past, He chose you to play a lead role in that story. That's incredible. And not only that, verse 7 tells us that God redeemed you with the blood of His Son. Again, verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So Christian, think about the fact that you are the beneficiary of the costliest payment that has ever been made. Jesus paid the ransom for your sin by dying on the cross. And He bought you out of the vilest, most miserable slave pit imaginable. And then on top of that, the next blessing is that He adopted you into His family. Verse 5 says that He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself. One of my favorite Bible stories is the story of Joseph. Imagine being Joseph. One day, you are in an Egyptian jail. It's not like prisons today. You're dirty. You're half-starved. You're naked. You're terribly ungroomed. And the next day, you're all cleaned up and you're in the presence of Pharaoh. And then by the end of the day, you're not just in the presence of Pharaoh. You are enjoying all the riches and all the treasures of the most powerful man in the world. And what a dramatic change. Imagine being in his shoes. But Christian, that's only a shadow of the dramatic change that God provided you. Once in time, you were a slave. A miserable slave. But now you are the adopted child of God. You're an heir to infinite riches. A child of the holiest. And the most generous father imaginable. That's incredible. And not only that, God blessed you lavishly. So, so he goes on, uh, end of verse 7, that he says he, he did all of this according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. Now that word lavish, that's a great word, right? I don't know, you probably don't use lavished all that often in, in normal language, but it's a great word, right? 
So, so imagine a billionaire lavishing you with gifts. But God says that, that He has lavished abundant grace, the riches of His grace on every Christian. That's incredible. And so notice the doxology in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I remember one time when I was in college, uh, I was in a conversation with, with one of my professors and a couple of my friends, and, and, and the professor said something that, that really encouraged, really, really impacted the heart of one of my friends. And he said to the, to, to the professor, God bless you. And I'll never forget the, the professor turning to him and saying, God already has. He has given me every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. He is abundant. He is generous. And someday, that generosity is going to culminate in the ultimate promise, which is that God is going to fully redeem us. So, so verse 13 says, In Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, He says you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. Now folks, it is absolutely incredible to think that the third person of the Trinity lives inside me, right? But God says that the Holy Spirit is merely a seal, or you could say a down payment, or a pledge, or an earnest money for our future full inheritance, So God's not just going to bless His people. He's going to glorify us someday. We're going to be near to God. And and for all of eternity, we're going to enjoy the wonderful blessings of His glory and His generous grace. So so Christian, God has lavished you with incredible grace. And, And consider the fact that when God planned His eternal story, He chose you to be the recipient of His grace. It's so so amazing that it sounds too good to be true, right? It sounds so good that that, that a lot of people struggle to believe it. That that can't be right. There, There must be a catch. I've got to do something to earn it, right? Well, wrong. It's all generous grace. So stop and marvel at that reality. Christian, God has done Amazing things for you. But why? Why would God be so generous to a sinner like me and a sinner like you? And that's the second question I want to answer. So so why did God bless us? Well, God answers with two grand reasons. And the first reason God blessed you like this is to display His own glory. To display His own glory. So, so notice that this, this section of Scripture consists really of three stanzas that all end with a very similar refrain that declares God's purpose in all of this. So, so notice that verse 6 says that all of this is to the praise of the glory of His grace. And then verse 12 says that these incredible blessings are to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. 
And then verse 14 ends the whole passage by saying that all of this is to the praise of His glory. So, have you ever watched a movie or read a book and you're maybe a a little ways into it and you start to get frustrated because you want to know where in the world is this story going? What is the plot? What's the point of all that's taking place? And of course, it's far worse when you experience that in reality, right? So you look at the world and you say, where in the world are things going? You know, maybe this week you, you, you saw pictures on the news of, of people out in the streets celebrating the, the, the death of Jewish people. And you thought, what in the world is happening here? Why isn't the whole world furious at these people? What's going on in the world? And what's the point of my suffering? Does any of this have any meaning? Where where am I going? What's the point of my life? Well, God answers all of those questions in these refrains. God's biggest story is moving toward His glory. So so sin and evil have tarnished God's creation. But, But God is redeeming His own people. He's transforming us. And he, is, is, he, is, he is changing us. Verse 10 says that, that He is moving all of history toward the day when Christ will glorify Himself and fix everything that is broken. And it says there in verse 10 that He will sum up all things in Christ. Things in heaven and things on the earth. Christ is going to fix it all. And, and, and Colossians 1 adds that, that someday... He is going to reconcile all things to Himself. So so where is the story going? The story is moving towards the day when Christ is going to fix everything that is broken and make it all new. So, So there is a grand and a worthy purpose. There is a good ending to the story. And what's so incredible is that this passage takes this this eternal plan of God And it considers the fact that every Christian plays a crucial role in that process of God of restoring His creation. God redeemed you. He is transforming you. Verse verse 4 says that that He is making you holy and blameless. And so, really, the idea then is that you are, Christian, in a sense, the appetizer for the world of what God is going to do to the entire creation someday. As He changes you, as He forms holiness in you, He is giving all of creation a foretaste of the radical transformation that He is going to complete in the future. So, no Christian lives a meaningless life. Your work, your love for people, your monotonous daily routines that just seem to go on and on without any end or purpose, and even just your enjoyment of God's good blessings, that they all contribute to the greatest plot line in history. That God is working towards His glory in fixing all that is broken. So some of you are enduring tremendous hardship. Finances are tight. You know, maybe your, your family relationships are strained or broken. Maybe you're dealing with chronic pain. Grief over a lost spouse. Broken hearts. 
And, and when you're suffering, and particularly when you're suffering, there doesn't seem to be any end to it all. It's really easy to begin asking, what is the purpose? Is there any point to what God is making me endure? And, and the point in this passage tells us that yes, the grace God is displaying through you in that pain is vital to God's purpose of displaying His glory. You know, we sing sometimes that your pain will not be wasted because Christ is completing His work in me. So as you endure, as God gives grace to change you in that process, He is displaying His glory to the world and showing them what the God will do someday. And maybe you're a teenager, young adult, or wherever. You I mean, this could apply to, to many ages. And you stare at the sex, the money, the fame that the world offers. And it looks really attractive. And then you compare that to holiness and truth. And sex, money, and fame look a whole lot more attractive. But understand that Satan is selling you a lie. It's a lie. If you chase all that stuff, you might have a lot of fun for a moment. But I promise you that you'll end up lonely, unsatisfied, and empty. It will never satisfy your soul. So, so, don't, so don't go that route. You know, and, and with it too, you know, what is the purpose? I mean, what is the purpose? What is the value to chasing those things? There's no value. So, so don't buy the lie. You know, see that, that God is offering you a chance for, for real meaning and purpose in your life. And you can glorify eternal God and make a real difference in people's lives by, by pointing them to the best truth, the, the only truth that transforms life. Live for the glory of God. Make a real difference in people's lives. That, that's real love. You know, love is, is not chasing your passions. Love is not giving people uh, unconditional approval of their perversion. Love is pointing people to the best reality they can ever know, which is the glory of God. So live for the glory of God. So, so, God has, so, so God's first purpose for us in all this story is to display His glory. And in particular, God has blessed us so that we can fulfill a second purpose, which is to display specifically God's grace. So we display God's glory, and we also live to display God's grace. And, and verse 6 then says that God hasn't merely chosen us to, exp to exp display His glory. He has especially chosen us to, to display, the, to, to be to the praise of the glory of His grace. And verse, six, verse 3 as well calls us to praise God. Why do we praise God? Because He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So Christian, what is the purpose of your life? Well, you are a trophy of the grace of God. You're a trophy of grace. And, and, and what an awesome job, right? I mean, imagine again how cool it would be if some billionaire wanted to use you to show off his generosity. Well, you'd be happy to, to be that the person that shows the world how kind he is. And then just consider the fact that one of God's highest priorities in writing his eternal story was that God wanted to show off his grace 
God didn't just want to show the world that he's really powerful or really smart. No, the whole story of redemption is there because God wanted to show the world and and show not just humanity, but the angelic realm and everything that he has made that he is a God of grace, mercy, and kindness. And he chose you to be a display to the world of his generosity and grace. That's incredible. And of course, more grace is coming in eternity. So so you are a walking testimony to the grace of God. I, I can't imagine any higher, more satisfying, or more enjoyable purpose for life. God has called you to be glad in the grace of God so that the world can see how wonderful He is. And so that they will seek the same joy for themselves. That's an incredible purpose for life. So so that brings me to the final question this morning is, well, what does all of this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? And I I, I have four applications, four challenges I want to give you. And the first is, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. I remember uh, several years back, uh, there was a young believer uh, coming to church here, and, and, um, and he told me that, that he and his family were planning to, to move away. And I'd spent a lot of time with this guy. I'd spent a lot of time discipling this guy. We, we had a pretty good relationship. And so, and so we sat down and talked, and, and I just point out to this guy, you know, your faith is really weak. You've, you've really struggled spiritually. Your marriage is really not in a good place. And so I said, if you move right now, you are are putting yourself in a position where there's a high likelihood that you will not land in a good church. You will not get the spiritual care that you need. And and you will will put yourself in in great spiritual risk. And so I told him, from from a human perspective, you are risking, and I said it with love, I said, from a human perspective, if you do this, you are risking your soul. You're risking your wife's soul and you are risking your children's souls. And he tried to give me some answers, tried to to push back. But it was pretty apparent as we talked that that he really had not given his soul and the care of his soul the the priority that it needed to be. And and I'll never forget, as we're talking, he said to me, well, Pastor Kit, I just really want my kids to grow up in a place with grass. Now, now, I like grass too. I grew up in the Midwest. I miss grass. I love grass a lot. And I want to be clear that I'm not trying to start a debate today about moving or not moving or, or, or make some broad judgment about people who do. Every situation is unique. But I just want all of us in this room to consider the foolishness of risking your soul for grass or whatever else is on your heart but the reality is people waste their lives all the time they idolize sex a cool car a prestigious career or, or having this wonderful carefree retirement and, and when you stand before Jesus someday none of that is going to matter at all it's going to be worthless in that day But God is offering you the chance to play a role in the most significant purpose imaginable. 
So, so will you waste your life chasing fleeting pleasure or will you live for the glory of God? That's the choice before every one of us. Of course, that begins by receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, God offers incredible blessings in this passage, but if you read through it, you can notice that time after time after time, Paul emphasizes that all of these things are only for those who are in Christ or in Him. That little phrase pops up a bunch of times in this passage. So, so just calling yourself a Christian, growing up in a Christian home, none of those things means this applies to you. You have to be in Christ, is what he says. And how can you receive Christ today? Well, well, it's very simple. You just admit that you are a sinner who has fallen short of the glory of God. You've sinned against His will. And just admit that there's nothing that you can do to solve that yourself. And then you confess that Jesus is Lord. He is my Creator. And He is the only Savior. You confess that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, He rose again, and that He can save me. And then you ask Him to do so. You ask Him to save your soul. So I hope that that you will receive Christ today if you've never done that before. You you can do just like the the testimonies we already heard. You, You can just cry out to God, ask Him to save you, and He will. You can do that right there where you're sitting. You can just say, God, I'm a sinner. I've broken your will. I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior and I want Him to be my Savior. And He will. If you've got questions, we'd love to talk with you afterwards and answer those. But please receive Him. And then if you are a Christian, make the right choices every day of your life. Choose today that you will not waste your day. That you will live for the glory of God. That you'll invest your life in the only cause that really matters. So, so, so live for the glory of God. Don't waste your life. Second application. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Our Wednesday night Bible study um, has, has had me thinking a lot recently about the fact that Satan loves to just numb Christians with worldly cares, passions, and distractions. So Satan knows, if he comes to most mature believers in this room and says, hey, why don't you cheat on your spouse? That you're just going to swat that thing away. No way I would do something like that. So what does Satan do? He, he just numbs your capacity to love him with all of your heart and to serve him with all of your passion. He numbs you with just distraction after distraction after distraction. And don't let him do it. God's grace is amazing. And God is is calling you to give daily space in your life to to think deeply about the glorious grace of God. To love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God is good. And God is worthy of your love. Third application is pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. Verse 4, folks, is an absolutely stunning verse. So so why did God choose you in eternity past? Well, it says, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, why? That we would be holy and blameless before Him. Now, Satan, he wants you to think that holiness is restrictive. It's weird. 
and it's legalistic. But God is very clear that holiness is beautiful. Holiness is beautiful. And so as you are progressively conformed to the image of Christ, as you reflect God's holiness in your heart and life, you have the privilege of reflecting to the entire world the glory of God. You are, as as you are transformed to the image of Christ, a walking, living, breathing testimony to the beauty and wonder of God. And God says that that is an essential purpose for your salvation. And if you're not quite sure, God says it again for those who are in the back in Colossians 1.22. He says that, that Christ reconciled you in His fleshly body through death. Why? To present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So why does God save people? God saves people to form the glory of God, the the holiness of God in us. So be different. So that you can make a difference in other people's lives. Don't waste your life trying to stay as close to sin as you possibly can. No, strive by God's grace to be like Jesus. Because that's what you were made to do. But but you might wonder, well, well, why is holiness so important? Why this challenge about holiness in the context of God's grand story? Well, it's because holiness is essential to our ultimate purpose and the final application, which is worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. This passage is abundantly clear that, that God's purpose in the gospel is not merely to fill heaven with people. It's not like, you know, in the past, God's like, you know, I really don't want to have to put up, you know, light up the vacancy sign on the hotel of heaven. So, so I got to get as many people in here as possible. I mean, God wants to save people. God's not willing the nation perish. But, but, but this passage tells us that, that His ultimate purpose in saving us is to create little reflections of His glory through transforming us into the image of Christ. God chose you and God saved you, not fundamentally for your good, but but so that you would be a trophy of His grace. So so the salvation testimonies we already heard, the ones we're going to hear in in a little bit, and every testimony of salvation in this room is a declaration to the world that God is good. His grace is amazing. It's powerful. It's powerful. And someday He's going to transform all of creation. So live your faith before a watching world. Show the world the transforming power of God's grace through through a truly holy life. We don't just worship God in here on Sundays, as important as that is. You are a living, breathing worshiper of God. You are a, a, a testimony of God's glory in your everyday life. And God chose you to be a trophy of grace. So make it your ambition that, that everyone who talks to you, everyone who's around you, sees the glory of God. Don't, don't be plastic. You don't need to put on some fake show. Just be a real Christian. Just be a real Christian who loves better things, who, who lives for higher purposes, and has no taste for Satan's distractions. And then tell of his works. And talk about, don't talk about yourself. Talk about God. Boast in the cross. Give thanks for God's blessings. And God chose you to be a trophy of grace. So make it your ambition 
that everyone who leaves a conversation with you or anyone who leaves time with you would leave with a sweet taste of the glory of God. So what is your purpose? What is your purpose? And, and maybe even more specifically, what do you want out of your life? What do you want? Well, God's answer, the only answer that, that gives lasting significance and sustainable joy is that your purpose is to be a trophy of the grace of God. So embrace God's best purpose for you. You get to play an amazing role in the greatest story ever told. And so set aside every distraction, every care, and let's live for the praise of His glorious grace. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your amazing grace in our lives. God, we, we just we stand in awe. We're amazed at what You have done. Lord, I pray for any who are here who do not yet know Jesus as Savior, that today they would be born again. And I pray for all of us who know You, that Lord, You would turn our eyes heavenward. I pray that You'd fill us with zeal for Your will and help us to live for the glory of God and God alone. Thank You for Your marvelous grace. In Jesus' name, amen.